Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today is the finale of season two. I just wanted to take a sec and thank you for listening to this podcast. It's a funny thing, when you start a podcast, everyone will ask you about what your niche is. How do you put your audience in a box? For me, the only audience for this series are people who are interested in hearing stories of different perspectives from other parts of the world. The fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you're innately curious about people who are different than you, and that's really fucking cool as far as I'm concerned. So seriously, thank you for giving this podcast a listen. Today's finale is with Anna of the band Heinz, an all-girl indie rock band from Spain that I've gotten to know over the years. Since 2016, I could always count on seeing the four girls of Heinz here in New York and having an incredible fucking time. Their music is full of that carefree abandon that you wish you had in your day-to-day life. Their latest album, The Prettiest Curse, sees the band refining their sound while also presenting moments of tenderness that will truly disarm you. It brings me so much joy that this is our finale episode for season two. Together we chat about the challenges that came with evolving the sound of Heinz, the importance of friendship, and why being in a band is more than just a lifestyle. I'll be back with season three in September. This episode won't have the usual ending, so do remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening via Apple, then also remember to rate and leave a review as well. I'd massively appreciate it. This is The New Exchange with Anna of Heinz. Enjoy. I am so glad to be chatting with you again. Thank you so much for joining me for the season finale of season two. Um, I guess, obviously, the big question is, how are you doing? How's life been in Madrid? Oof. Lately, it's such a weird uh, thing now, you know, like lately, the last couple of weeks have been great, but last couple of years, almost, they were like ups and downs, like for everyone, I guess. How were the last years for you? Months for you? (laughs) (laughs) It's been quite interesting. Like, I think what's interesting is that when the pandemic kicked off, I feel like this particular era of Brooklyn kind of like shifted into gear right away of like making sure everyone was okay. There was a lot of solidarity and just kind of making wow. sure people are safe. But yeah, right now, like we're talking and uh, what is it? Uh, about to, It's April, about to be May and in 2021. And like, yeah, you get the vibe that people are just ready for normalcy. Like you can tell that people are and, itching uh, for it. Are you vaccinated? I'm about vaccinated? to be. Yeah, not oh, yet. Nice. I will be. Well, by the time this interview comes out, I will be. I will have been. Wow. Yay. Congratulations for the future again. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping because I usually go to Britain all the time every year to see family and friends. So I'm hoping that like, you know, once I'm vaccinated, I can make it back to especially Ireland. I love it in Ireland a lot. Like so much. Oh, that's lovely. I hope so as well. Right now, to be honest, England is one of the hardest countries to get to in Europe as a continent because it's not UE anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So my, my boyfriend's from there and he just went there for to work. And now as like, for the last month they've added like two pcr tests so basically you need one to get in and then you need to make another one the second day and another one the eighth day and quarantine for the 14 days and everything of course you pay uh, yourself even if you're british or whatever you're from i was there for christmas and new year's i I go because my girlfriend this christmas yeah the one that just passed yeah wow and when i went um 
the whole thing with the new strand developed while we're, oh my god while we're in the air and then when i had oh to come my god. yeah and when i had to come back for to new york i had a covid test but it was it wasn't a pcr one and then when i went to the airline they told me no you have the wrong one so i had to like figure out how to get a test while i was at the airport before my flight and it was so stressful Wow, you and you did it? You got a test at the airport? I did, but I it wow. was it was like breakneck like it was so stressful, man. It was like I like, imagine we had well I had also like a crisis Christmas British situation because um so we played this the, the best thing that has happened this year by far is that we played the 5th of January which is kind of like our Christmas uh in Spain like the three wise men the three kings that we oh, call yeah. it. So we played that day in the Spanish opera house with uh, a full-on orchestra like a hind show with an orchestra in the back wow. um but obviously my my plan for before uh, this is going to sound so bad because i'm complaining about it but <laughs> hear me out here because like obviously i had been like a year without really playing any shows and without really going to see uh, my boyfriend's family and you know we have sort of this like unspoken deal where it's like he kind of lives in spain but christmas is so important for him and his family that i always go back go go there to England to spend it with him so it's sort of like our pact yeah and suddenly I was literally about to go like two days before to Christmas and then come back for the show in Madrid and all that like well they were calling it British COVID blah 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 <laughs> like all that storm so I had to cancel the trip and I haven't seen like his family in like a year and a half because of the show so oh. yeah but at least we play the show you know can't really complain but <laughs> no true i can it's a similar thing with me my girlfriend is from britain but she lives here in new york and we have the same dynamic and also i just want nice yeah. sounds fair right i think it's fair <laughs> yeah it is fair and also i want to point out i have to hear i have to go find these videos of heinz performing for orchestra because that is something i can't even wrap my head around that must have been really trippy for the, you it was honestly the most emotional thing in the world like you know us, you know where we come from, you know, like, how hard we've worked, how much we've played, how much, like, just the whole thing is surreal that we are a band that has been, cause as well, the, it's sort of like the government picks the band, it's not like a vote or anything, you know, like, you can't really do anything to do it except they choose you, mm. and up until now, it had always been like, of course, like, singers, like, pop artists, you know, like, you would imagine Rosalia would have done, you know, like, people like that and that like pop singers style and they had never done like a rock band especially with like the punk sort of attitude and way of playing we have and they picked us in this fucking crazy time they picked us and it was incredible incredible because uh, there was also like three three different uh not how you say in english like uh, writers that specifically write arrangements for uh, orchestras yeah so there were three different ones so we had like three different points of view on different songs and it was like a, a show of like an hour and i don't some of them were like much more fun than you would imagine and some of them were like so dramatic and like i don't know it was it was really really good that is insane to me wow i i can't wait to like check this out and congratulations and um thank you yeah to like kick things off a little bit more i want to kind of go back in time a bit like pre-pandemic specifically because on new year's eve night of 2019 you guys opened up for the strokes at the barclays center in brooklyn we did <laughs> yeah, I, that was one of those instances where i was unfortunately in england with family and i still hate that i missed that show but <laughs> i've been since knowing that you guys experienced that i've been dying to talk to you to just find out like what was that like 
it was insane as well. I, I hate sounding cheesy and like one of those people that says, oh, it was amazing and everyone thinks it's amazing, but you're literally pointing out the highlights of my life, you know? <laughs> uh, it was incredible. Like uh, we felt really, really welcome. And in general, like opening for bigger bands is something that we've always wanted to do more, but we never really found the time because uh, our team kept booking us our own like tours. But opening, it's such, for me, it's like such a freeing uh, kind of show because it's not like you don't have the pressure like people are here to see me and I have to you know like I have to give them what I think they deserve blah, blah. this is just pure fun and enjoyment and you're not overthinking anything you know you're like obviously everyone's excited about what's coming after but they all have like that excitement of seeing something new as well and it was just the fact that it was obviously New Year's and it was Brooklyn and I don't know it was the strokes you know it was perfect and like they they invited us on stage for the countdown for the new year and even like the sound check was really cute because because of the time difference uh spain was already on the new year when we were doing the sound check oh, so yeah. we all did like facetimes with our families and stuff and we have like these very cute pictures of like us having the the grapes you know how that's like a spanish tradition for the good luck for the next year it's oh, eating yeah. 12 grapes at, uh in the during the uh, countdown um, so we were doing, and like the whole thing was so pretty. A lot of our friends from Madrid came. Obviously, like what a better plan for New Year's if you have passes to see the strokes and your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was lovely. It was amazing. Oh my god, that's so beautiful. And like, I should also add for people for like added context, which is amazing. Is I remember because I know Albert a little bit. I remember when I saw Albert at Brooklyn Steel, another venue here in Brooklyn, that you guys were on stage when he played, and like it's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and that was very unexpected for me. I didn't expect to see you guys, but it, it felt like so nice. And at this point, it's like you guys are family in a way. It's really beautiful. You know what? It's crazy because I've in during these like six, seven years that we've been on the band and we've been touring a lot and we've been like seeing a lot of people in festivals and meeting like our heroes and and all that. I've been disappointed so many times, like dude, so many times, almost like. 99% of the times, the guy, because it's usually a guy, because, you know, the music scene, how it works, it's usually, like, so either patronizing or, like, treating me, treating us, like, as some girls they want to fuck or some girls they don't want their girlfriends to be jealous about because they don't want to fuck. You know, like, it, it had always been, like, not fair and not, like, musician to musician, pe- person to person, just, like, having a normal conversation, you know, like, normal and enjoying, like, and you would see them in between them sort of like hugging and being like, hey, brother, yeah, what's up, blah, blah, blah. And us being like the girls behind, you know, especially because we're Spanish, we're, we're happy, we're smiling, you know, we're not playing it cool. <laughs> so for so many people, that means we're not cool, you know. Um, but anyway, so I've been disappointed a lot, a lot of times, most of the times. So this is obviously is a conversation that we had been having. Like, when are we going to meet the full on strokes? Because we were already like friends with Albert Hammond and we did like a co-headline tour with him. But we we're like, when are we going to play with the strokes, you know? Yeah. Um, so at some point, I honestly told the girls, like, I'm not sure if I want to do it. Like, obviously, I want to play the show, but I don't think I want to hang. I don't think I want to know them because I still respect them and I still like them. And it's so hard for me to divide once the person has disappointed me so much. It's so hard for me to enjoy the music. You know, so I don't want to have that. I don't want to have the strokes ruined for me. Um, so then when this opportunity came in, obviously we're like, yeah, as if we were going to say no to this. <laughs> so obviously we said yes. And you know what? They were the most humble people ever. They're so down to earth. They're so normal, nice, grown up on a great way, like mature, 
so like I don't know like they they proper took care of us because obviously that night was a bit hectic because it was New Year's and everyone had their friends and couples and everyone was there but after that show they offered us to play three or four shows in Europe I think it was January or February oh. um yeah no it was the last shows we ever played like the last normal shows were stadiums with the stores oh my god I know. So in in those shows that were like a bit smaller, because I think it was like a press tour they were doing. It wasn't really, it actually wasn't really stadiums, but it was a really big venue. (laughs) Anyway, those places, because they were more quiet and it was like smaller places like Belfast and stuff, um, we proper chilled and had like a a drink or something. And it just felt like they were taking care of us, but not in a patronizing way, you know, like, like obviously they are the strokes and they have resources and money for everything. But Something like the detail of they took our guitars from one city to another in their tour bus. Obviously, they weren't taking them. It was their crew, but they offered it, you know, they offered. And that meant the world, because when you're traveling, when you're a crew of five people, four people is the band, and you're like running up and down stairs trying to catch the train to the airport. And that adds so much cost. You know, it's like such a small detail that if you're in a band and you care about someone, you would do something like that to make someone else's lives easier. And in every sense, they were like that. They watched our shows, which is also a very big thing, I think. You know, they weren't like yeah. backstage thinking they were too cool. They came down. It's just people that ask you how you're doing, you know, and actually mean it and actually want to hear it. Not like, hey, what's up, <laughs> you know? And you said something interesting there. Well, you said so many interesting things. But one of the big things for me was how you were saying that, you know, when you're in groups of people sometimes, because you're from Spain, you're always smiling. And sometimes people don't think you're cool. I think what's interesting for me for getting to have known you over the years is I've always loved that about you and the band. And I feel like what's incredible is that when you have this energy that's so genuine to who you guys are, it really does change the room as opposed to the room changing you. And I think that's specific. And Oh, that's so pretty. Yeah, it's true. And I think it's significant in the context of getting to hang out with the Strokes because I don't know them super well, but I've come across them a lot at like festivals and stuff. And I feel like that's a similar trait they have where they play these like festivals and these stadiums and it's like the room, they they make the room change for how they want. They don't let the room change them. So I think it's beautiful that for Heinz to have seen that in such a big context where it's like, wow, we could play an arena and still be ourselves. And see, totally. Oh, you're giving me the goosebumps just thinking about these things. I'm very sensitive at the minute. Like I was literally crying. Half an hour ago, over like a stupid show. I'm very emotional, so <laughs> which show? I don't guarantee that I'm not gonna start crying. What show? Um, yeah. Oh my god, I'm watching this. You know, when I'm eating and I wanna like not think about something, I'm watching this Netflix thing that is like about makeup competition, and it's like makeup artists doing competition. Ooh. And one girl I used to work at a salon, obviously, was never really like it could never explore her artistic side. She's getting to the finals. And when she got to the finals, I would just I just started crying. I'm at that level now where everything is emotional for me. And I cry for the good things and the bad things. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, well, who can blame me in a time like now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of the big things I've been, like, really excited to chat with you about, because I'm sure I'll mention this in the intro, but, like, every year when Hein releases an album, we end up talking about it, which is one of my, like, it's become a new kind of a tradition that I love. And... Last year, Heinz released their third album, The Prettiest Curse. And I don't know why, but there is something about the third album being so important for like a band's legacy. And it was also the first time you've made an album outside of Madrid. Did did that experience of creating the album challenge you in any way? Loads, yeah. It was like the most... I've, I don't think I've ever grown 
so much as a musician as I, I did, and, and I think the girls as well, during the process of that album, definitely. It was, for starters, the first time that we prioritized the album over the tours, which was, you know, very, like, pleasing, first of all, because we could afford it. You know, we, we could, like, take one year off a break and just write and record. And the fact that we knew, we, we didn't know what we wanted to do and how we wanted to sound, but we knew we didn't want to sound like we did in the past, like, meaning like we wanted to have some sort of like evolution. So it was like very enjoyable, obviously stressful and scary because when you don't know what you're going to do, it's very, you know, like I remember during the first month I couldn't sleep because I was like not knowing what you're going to do. It's, it's so like stressful for your creative month. Um, I, it sort of like naturally started getting in shape because like um, one of the first songs we wrote for, for this album was just like kids actually. And, this moment forever and they both have keyboards or synths or pianos on them and that is one thing that you would think oh my god that's so stupid it's not such a weird instrument and it's not you know like why didn't we think of that before but we simply hadn't we hadn't had the time to experiment with other instruments that weren't guitar bass and drums so suddenly if we, we realized that we were playing exactly the same chords on the keyboard or in the guitar we were doing totally different melodies and the vibe was totally different even if it was the same uh, chords that really opened like a very big window more than of songs of like vibes you know like I don't know how to say but like you know the, the feeling is very different and especially with synths you can choose so many different sounds so easily compared to guitars you have to obviously try different guitars try different pedals like I don't think it's so it's so easy as when you have a good keyboard you're literally doing next 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 and you're sounding like electronic R&B uh, rock old vintage you know you can sound like so many things with the same instrument um and that really started like opening uh windows and then obviously the fact that we didn't write it in spain the whole thing and that we wrote it some of it we wrote in LA, some of it we wrote in in london it made me feel like it's weird because like i feel like we sort of needed um to look at ourselves how other people saw us like when we got to a room, obviously in the beginning, we were like a bit, not self-confident, but, you know, just like, Ooh, what is this? We're in a studio, you know, with like respect. And then suddenly everyone was like, oh my God, you're doing so many, so many melodies. You do it like so easily. You wrote five songs in like two minutes. Obviously, they're, it doesn't mean they're good. But, you know, like, oh, you're good at this, you're good at that. Oh, wow, you're doing that. You know, like other, other musicians or artists or producers talking about the way we did things and being surprised the same way we were being surprised about their things. So it was like, it gave us a feel like it gave us a lot of confidence and just the whole process was very, very different, just purely based on the fact that we weren't on a rush. So we could write so many weird songs that we would hate the day after, but then suddenly some of them were loved, even though they were really different, you know? So it was very, very rich. And I would have never in a million years said that we could have done an album like what we did when we started the process. Like, I'm still very proud of it. <laughs> How beautiful is that? Especially, it's really interesting what you said there about, you know, looking at yourselves the way other people have. Because I know from knowing you for so many years, that's something you guys have never really done. So that's definitely something that was, must have been so, like, new, interesting to explore just internally, you know? Yeah, it was, yeah, especially because there's no way you're going to convince yourself. You really have to, like, get to the point where you, you've done it so many times, or you've heard it so many times that you actually feel a professional writer or a professional whatever or good at this. And part of that, you know, it's like, yeah, we, we before that, we, we, we wrote up songs pretty much the four of us with 
almost no no producer like if we had a producer we were half producing it as well you know we never really yeah. let anyone inside uh and that's something that really helped especially with the producer jen jenda silver she produced the album we consciously took the decision we're gonna let someone else tell us things that we don't want to hear but we probably should hear you know uh, and then we'll decide if we won or not because obviously you know it's all like mini battles that you win or the producer wins you know there's there's you win some you lose some but it was very, very rich. And at the same time, it, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence to, to have someone like Jen admire us, work with us and trust us. That's incredible. And it definitely shines through. And, you know, what immediately struck me about the album was like how, and you mentioned this like when you were saying all that, but essentially like as a band, Heinz was able to refine their sound. And I feel like a great example of that is a tune like uh, Good Bad Times, which sounds like Heinz, but in a way that's so fresh and pure. Like, did working on this specific song feel quite different for you guys, like as a band? Yeah, that was one of the hardest, uh, mainly because of the um, drums. It was very, like, tricky for because the drums are so different to, to drums that Amber had done before. We sometimes tend to feel like we need to add more things, you know, like more solos, uh, yell a bit louder, uh, drums, like, add more riffs or more whatever you know sort of like add and that song is really good because it's not empty but you know what i mean like it's the beauty of it is how there's not you don't really need that many elements for it to sound good so i remember being in the studio and like i remember amber even cried because like she was doing some different drums like adding different things and jen was like no that's not working it's slowing the track down if you add something instead of adding it's slowing down you know like we had like so many conversations about that and then i also remember for bass, because there were like two bass lines. Obviously, Adi was <laughs> going crazy about that. Uh, for me, I was singing, uh, so the song is like pretty low on a low tone. So I was singing the low tone and the falsetto, like the octave up. And we had never ever done that before to sort of like give it brightness. So everything of that song was out of our comfort zone. Even the solos, the solos is an harmony in between two solos. Sissy plays one and I play another. Like everything, is a different way and keyboards everything everything was different and i also love that it's number one song of the album you know like hello this is different welcome <laughs> to different <laughs> i love that too and you know in that in that vein as well because we're talking about things that are so different for the band like i love when i get to say this but people listening should seriously go on your youtube and spend time watching all the music videos you made for this album because they all fit the song so well and um, i you. love the video especially for uh writing solo that's actually my favorite Ooh. song off the album. I love that tune so much. Oh, you can't imagine how good it is live. It's so much better than recording. Ooh. The instrumental moment, it's really like my favorite part of the of the shows now. And we open with that song. So after that, I'm like, boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear that. Um, let's, let's talk a bit more about that song. Because I feel like, especially, because you mentioned that with your guitar playing. I feel like on writing solo, your guitar playing really shines and i wonder like over the course of making the prettiest curse how do you feel your relationship with the guitar changed because i know of musicians that when it comes to their instruments over time they might feel differently about them a lot of musicians tend to find themselves having to like almost find the love again towards an instrument i think honestly being super honest i should probably like to sound more interesting but <laughs> uh, i think i didn't feel a difference that much well, I mean, I did feel it from an album to the other, purely based on the fact that we toured a lot and years passed. So I feel very confident now 
playing guitars and this is gonna sound so bad but like it's so easy for me to write a, a, a solo that I like that I think is good enough you know it's something that comes very natural I would say though that CC I, I could see the difference in between CC's guitar playing from uh, album number two to album number three she come she became like very obsessed also like it was sort of empowered by Jen because Jen's a producer that works very like uh, spontaneously so she uses any sort of sound to create any sort of effect. So like suddenly she would have us yell and then in the back ear sounds like a synth or she would have us play a guitar and then it's, it would sound like a voice, you know, like she's, she like tweaks everything and, and she used a lot of guitars to use them as other things than guitars. I would say my biggest like twitch or change of instrument is not really an instrument, but it would be my voice. I feel like I really changed between an album to the other and especially during the process there was something really interesting and because we realized when obviously when we were going to record it like why do all these songs uh sound more not more chill but like why aren't we yelling as much as we yelled in in i don't run and then we realized it wasn't obviously some of the songs were decided but the other songs like it wasn't because we decided it was because we wrote those songs in studios instead of in rehearsal rooms. So in rehearsal rooms, because everything is so loud and you have live drums and everyone's turning their amps up because no one can hear themselves. If you don't scream, you're not going to hear your voice. So you're not going to write a song. So that's why the first two albums are mainly only screaming because that's the way we used to write them. Whether these songs sometimes are like in studios with microphones already. So you didn't have to yell to be heard, you know? but yeah, I would say singing was like my my difference, I think. That makes sense to me too, what you said about like how it wasn't like a big shift of guitar. Because it made, like as you were saying that, I immediately thought about being in green rooms with you and like Barry Barroom and like at Warsaw here in Brooklyn. And like one of the funny images I have of you is like being in a green room talking to someone and just like you happen to be holding your guitar. But like it's almost kind of like, you don't notice you're holding it. It's just like you're you're that close with the, the instrument. Like it's that extension of your body almost. Yeah. I mean, we were maybe trying to impress someone because I do feel very cool when I'm having a guitar on top. I'm yeah. not lie. I don't know who was in that green room, but maybe I was trying to make an impression. That is very true. Um, I, I know it must have been tough putting out this album during the pandemic, but, you know, interestingly enough, like, you know, having had the chance to live with it, I weirdly feel like it was also the perfect time because one of the things that I love about your band so much is that the music is both carefree and reflective. Like there's an attitude to it, but there's still like a very, there's an attentiveness towards the lyrics where it feels very human. And in a weird way, I feel like an album like The Prettiest Curse is perfect for a world that's in such a kind of dark and confusing place where people can remind it that you can laugh and have a bit of light but, you know, you could also think about things that are happening in your life. Like, I think that's what the album, has, it did for me, and I'm sure it did for other people. Wow. I hope so. I really hope so. It's it's so weird because, as you know, like, we've toured so much that that used to be the connection we had, you know, and the, the sort of, like, reward or just, like, the information of has this album done good or bad was literally playing shows and seeing if people were singing it, dancing it, if we were selling tickets, if people were... We're buying t-shirts, you know, like all that. Um, and obviously we haven't had that. All, we, all we've had uh, with this album was like number of plays, number of playlists, likes on Instagram, which is like such a horrible way of judging art or not judging, but, you know, like sort of 
validating it. So yeah, I've, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've struggled. Like I still feel like when I think about the album, I feel very sad because I'm not sure if the time without touring it is going to not kill it, but you know, like not, not giving the momentum it deserved because as we were saying, like it was, I'm so, so proud of it. I've never felt so proud of anything that I've done before that suddenly feel like someone, someone, a virus took it away from my hands and, uh, and I don't know, it just, yeah, it was pretty devastating. But at the same time, we're having right now some tours book. So I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see if it's all the industry thing or maybe not, you know, like, I don't know what to think if it's like, oh yeah, you need to be constantly putting singles and constantly working and releasing. Otherwise you die because people that are so cool and they're constantly, uh, I'm like so excited about everything that, you know, like it's so exhausting to try to be at that level constantly. Yeah. Um and we we have done that, you know, but obviously we don't have the time, money or energy now to put another album before the next tours, you know, it, it just came out. So I guess we'll see if, like, I hope this proves me wrong and, and people still care about the music and the songs and, of course, understand that the situation has been very hard for musicians. No, yeah, and I'm more than sure that they will. Uh, I'm going to ask you some more stuff, but before we get off the album, I would just love to explore this with you. What do you feel like, this album has taught you about yourself, whether it was in the context of when you made it or having it exist in the world. I feel like what's beautiful about these albums in the context of musicians is that albums teach you about things about yourself that you wouldn't have known without them. I think it gave me a lot of reassurance in us as musicians. Like I, what I said before that I never thought we could make an album like this. I honestly mean it. Like, and it's it's such a scary way of living when when being a musician is your job and your passion. You know, it's like obviously you always want to be better, blah blah blah. But you don't think you can until you do it. And like I obviously I thought I could do better, but I didn't think I could learn an instrument in a year like I have done. You know, and totally dominate keyboards like I do now. Or I didn't think we could sound differently but still recognize ourselves. Like that was a very big challenge for me because I don't think. Personally, when, when I listen to Heinz, it doesn't really remind me to anything else. You know, I feel like, and that's one of the good things. Like there's a, a lot of, I don't know how to say it without sounding cheesy, but a lot of personality in, impregnated in the songs. You know, like I don't think no one listens to it and doesn't think, oh, I hate it. I love it. What is this? You know, it's, it's weird. Um, it was a very big challenge to sort of like develop our sound and sound a bit more full and with more layers and more produced in general, but keep that personality and punk attitude and what we were saying like just smiling being humble being normal just being normal people writing songs um and the fact that we could it's weird because like the two albums before we worked so much for them that when when I had them I was like this is the best thing I can do like boom I've done this album I'm so happy with it but when I did the prettiest curse I didn't feel like this is the best thing I could do I was like this is what I can like this is the beginning of something I can do so much more you know it gave me that yeah just believing in myself like it, I didn't feel this is the best album we're ever gonna do blah, blah. it was like this is so incredible that we've been able to do this but at the same time if I have been able to do this I'm so excited about thinking of something that we would do in the future I don't know if I'm explaining myself well sorry no you're explaining it so perfectly <laughs> well it, like you know as someone who's loved your music for such a long time I feel like that is everything you just said there is so true, especially because like my when I think about my favorite kind of people like in the world, it like if there's anything they have in common is that 
they're people who can't help but be themselves regardless of whatever context or room or situation. And yeah. that's always been Heinz and in the music that comes through. And I love what you said there at the end, like knowing that this album is like a new beginning in a way. Like that's beautiful. Yeah. That it really, saying. really is like starting a new band or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more things I wanted to chat with you about, like a big one um, is that I love the collaboration that you and the band did with Chai. And that, yeah, that collab is called United Girls Rock and Roll Club. And, you know, what's so special about it is that I mean, obviously, this is, you know, part of the internet, but how amazing is it that a band like Chai, who are from Japan, you can connect with them and you like, I have never met them, but I feel like from what I know, they have similar principles and ideas as Heinz oh, they do. Really do. Yeah, like it's literally like looking at a Japanese mirror. It's so crazy. <laughs> and like, we, we don't really like understand each other that much because they don't speak that much English and we don't speak Japanese at all. So, um, like, it's weird to see yourself reflected in something, even if you can't understand the language that person is using, you know. But um, the energy they have, the how fucking, I don't know, they're, like, I really admire them because they're, like, really talented and really, like, badass. But at the same time, yeah, they're, like, very humble. Like, they tell you a million times how much they love you and how pretty and kawaii you look. You know, they're, like, <laughs> very, very, very nice people to be around. And yeah, we actually recorded that song right after the prettiest curse. Like um, we had to kill two days of studio of in in Brooklyn while we were doing the album, so we could make it to Spain on time to record with them because they were in Europe touring. Blah blah blah. You know how uh, schedules used to be. Like there's only like this day for the studio, and so we flew from New York um, to Madrid to go straight to the studio. Wow. And I remember just being so tired, like being so so tired, and there was like a miscommunication uh, thing because obviously we thought we all were going to write the lyrics, but then they were like, oh, no, no, you write the lyrics and we're going to start like recording this. And we were like, me and TC take ages to write lyrics. It's not something, like I was saying, it's not like a guitar solo that I feel like, oh, yeah, I can do it like sort of fast. Lyrics for us is a serious deal and it's long and we overthink it so much. So I just remember like staring at CC like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to survive? And obviously, we just started chatting with them and, and it came along, you know, it was like a theme that is easy, not easy to talk about, but like it came very natural to talk about a female empowering thing with like, you know, being eight uh, women in the studio. But it was fun. Yeah, it was it was very weird, but very fun. And I'm glad we did it. And I can't wait to play live with them. Like imagine all of us together. That would be incredible. As soon as we clash at a festival or we go to Japan, we're definitely going to do that and it's going to be so much fun <laughs> i mean just that image alone of like both of your bands on a stage is like it's so the idea of it is so powerful that it almost like overloads my brain trying to imagine. yeah it's it's really great like it's really crazy especially because we ourselves don't even understand each other in the language but we do understand each other with like signs and like looks yeah. and smiles so it's like it's such a weird and cool connection <laughs> When you said that about you and uh, Cece, and, um, just yesterday, me and my girlfriend started watching the Billie Eilish documentary, and there's a part Ooh, in... I haven't watched it. Did you like it? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, it comes in two parts, which is pretty interesting. Oh. So we watched the first part, and we watched the okay. second part later. But so far, I've liked it a lot. This isn't spoiling anything, though, so don't worry. There's a part in it okay. where she's working on a song, and she's just, like, screaming, like, I hate songwriting! <laughs> <laughs> It can be so draining. 
Yeah. When you think back about um, the pandemic, and I bring this up because, you know, you've said it a lot too about like how you guys have played so much shows. I should mention, it's like one of the interesting things about how I've interacted with you is that, you know, with New York being how it is, is that bands and artists are always coming through here. Most yeah. artists maybe come here twice a year, but Heinz would always come like five or six times. <laughs> And it brings, which has always been fun. Always you can't fun. get rid of it. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, at this point, you might as well be honorary New Yorkers, in my opinion. Oh, I'll take it. I'll yeah. take the keys of the city. <laughs> but um, I wonder, do you feel in some ways that having this, like, slow time for the first time in years has, like, helped you creatively at all? Um, it has helped me personally a lot. Like, I have this dilemma in my brain because... Um, I'm not over, like I said a million times, I'm not over the album and I still feel like excited and sad about it. So I have like, we've tried, we've wrote some songs and blah, 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 but I'm not as excited as I was. Maybe the whole thing is just that I'm being negative about it and I just need to play and tour those songs a bit in order to like move on. But it has helped me a lot creatively and personally in every other thing, like arty thing that I like, you know, like I've been painting, doing ceramics, doing like set designs. Like I've done so many things that I felt like uh, being a musician sort of took away because of the touring. Like we were never home. We could never really like explore something else. And that also puts a lot of pressure on the musician part of myself. You know, it's like, oh my God, you need to excel and be the best and blah, blah, blah. Because if you don't do it, like who's going to want a 40 woman, 40 year old woman playing, you know, like I start thinking in my head very negatively and very like, yeah, just very pessimistic and very horrible thoughts that I should and no one should really have, especially when you're doing songs and music because it should come, not naturally, because I do believe everything comes from hard work and hours and hours and hours, but, you know, you shouldn't be thinking about the success while you're writing or doing a piece. So it has helped me a lot in that sense of realizing that I can do many more things apart from music. Obviously, I still choose music. I still prefer music, and that's definitely what I want to do. But as it's a job that you never really know when it's going to end and you never really know what's going to come after, having this sort of year break and like working on other things and proving myself that I can make money somehow else, you know, like I can pay bills doing uh, different things. That has really like relaxed me. And I think I'm really going to appreciate it in the next years when we go back to touring nonstop and I won't have so many like nightmares about (laughs) when this is going to end or what is going to happen next, you know. No, I totally get that. And I mean, it's so lovely that you're able to say that, honestly. I know. I'm being brutally honest, like talking literally about bills and money. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. I mean, honestly, I feel like anyone who's listening, I mean, the main thing about this series, and it's what I love about it so much, is that, you know, in a lot of ways, whether it be like media or just how we're brought up, we tend to like look at people who do really incredible things on a pedestal. And like, I've always loved the fact that I have conversations with people like you and then people can listen and then go like, oh, I can relate to what she's saying. Like, I think that's yeah, beautiful. Before we go, the last thing I want to talk to you about is like, you know, I want to go back a little bit to like the last time we talked properly, like in an interview type of thing. It was right before you and the band released I Don't Run. And a big thing we talked about is how, as a band, you wanted people to hear the music and understand that women in bands wasn't a fad or a lifestyle, but something that could be a true career. That was like, the big thing I remember we talked about, like we talked about the songs and like, you know, how you felt recording them. But I remember it was a big thing that you were like, people need to understand that this is our lives. And 
that was back in 2018, which is crazy to me. And I feel like what's interesting is that even with a pandemic, I feel like the world is a bit more understanding to that message and that hope that you as a band had. I just wanted to know, like, how do you feel about that message now? Like, do you feel that you see it out in the world any more than you did back in 2018? Well, I mean, obviously, the, every year that passes, it's a year that we're proving it, you know? Um, and I think that one of the biggest challenges and what actually causes all the nightmares I was talking about a second ago is the fact that I don't really have role models or band like us, but maybe five years older or 10 years older that aren't Patti Smith or like massive, massive that already like they're not wondering what they're going to do. She probably is. Everyone is wondering what they're going to do next. But you know what I mean? They're not struggling, struggling, struggling. So yeah, the fact that we keep doing it and like we keep surviving. And I feel like this, this pandemic has broken a lot of musicians that like we've talked with so many friends that had been in bands for like a couple of years like us and a few of them have actually like broke down you know like that's it this is a sign you know I'm sick and tired of touring I'm sick and tired of doing this uh, for like constantly hustling for feeling like you're never really getting to the point where you, you want to or you're not getting the success you think you deserve or you wish you deserve so the fact that we're still in like two feet and going on and like sort of like trying to figure out what's going to be next and and survive. Yeah. Just like surviving to this pandemic to me is of superheroes, you know, and not only Heinz, obviously everyone that has been through this and still has the energy and the excitement of going back on tour and is not completely heartbroken and, and lonely and depressed. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's just a proof that it can be like that. And, and I hope girls and women that, are starting or like started a couple of years ago they see us and they're like see you can do three albums and then next it'll be like see you can do four albums and that's still you and maybe next see you can have kids and be on tour and maybe see you can have gray hair and still be on tour you know um i hope so i hope so too thank you so much (laughs) for joining me today on again the finale of season two and I'm, i'm really so glad we got to do this like i had this idea of talking to you like probably back in like i want to say last summer or so and when I was like forming the season and I'm so glad we got to do it because honestly like over it's been a true joy and a privilege getting to know you and your band over the years and you brought it up and like this is how you feel about Heinz but as someone who's lived with your music I could say it there really isn't any other band like your band oh don't make me cry <laughs> <laughs> thank you again 